Today's daf is Tetzayin in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We are on daf Tetzayin Amud Aleph at the very top of the Amud with the new Mishnah Ba'arba Aparkim Ha'olam Nidon. There are four times of year where the world is judged. With Pesach, on Pesach, the grain is judged. On Shavuot, uh, the fruits of the trees are judged. All of the inhabitants of the earth pass before Hashem which the Gemara will explain what that means later. As it says, Hashem created their hearts together and understands all of their actions. And on Sukkot, we are judged regarding rain. So the Gemara asks, which kind of, of uh, grain is judged on Pesach? Because the thing is that really the time for planting grain is in the fall. So when you come to Pesach, it's already been in the ground. So are we talking about the upcoming uh, grain that's going to be planted in the next fall? Or are we talking about the previous? If we're talking about the, the, the grain that's already in the ground when Pesach comes around. So then when did the judgment happen for everything that's, hap- that's occurred to that grain up till now? We must be talking about what's going to be planted in the upcoming fall. So that implies, Are you implying that there can only be one judgment for the grain? If some accident or a, a problem occurs to grain prior to Pesach, so that means that it was determined on the previous Pesach. If it happens after this Pesach, that means it was determined on the most recent Pesach. Right? So, uh, so meaning to say that you could have a situation um, where there's more than one uh, judgment depending upon when the thing happened to the grain. And similarly with the person, if something happens to a person before Yom Kippur, that means it was, happened, it was determined on the previous Yom Kippur. If it happened after Yom Kippur, that means the most recent one. here doesn't mean the upcoming Yom Kippur, but the most recent one, not the previous one. So the, uh, the, so the point is uh, that it sounds like um, depending upon when the occurrence happens to the to the grain, the judgment happened on a different Pesach. So what does Rava say? Rava answers, that shows you that there's actually two judgments for the grain um, on Pesach in advance before it's even, uh, it's even planted in the ground, there's already a judgment. And then, the rest of the year, there's a judgment again after the next Pesach before it's harvested with respect to that grain. So it can be judged twice each time Pesach comes up. says, Therefore, if a person sees that the early planting is doing very well, he should also go and quickly and plant the things he usually waits till later in the season to plant. Why? In other words, because you could see that if in a particular fall everything seems to be growing quicker than usual, even the things that you usually plant earlier because they take longer to ripen and longer to grow are doing really well, he should plant the things that he usually waits till later in the season to plant because obviously the judgment was good from the last Pesach and it could be if he waits till later, the judgment on the next Pesach won't be as good. So better to get as much in as possible during a time that's good. Who is our Mishnah representing? None of these four Tanaim, not Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, or Rabbi Natan. Rabbi Meir says, all judgment happens in Rosh Hashanah. There's no separate judgment for the grain, for the fruits, or anything like that. Everything happens in Rosh Hashanah and is sealed on Yom Kippur. According to Rabbi Meir, so that obviously doesn't fit with our Mishnah. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Akol Nidonim Rosh Hashanah, Ugzar Din Shalem Nechtam, Kol Echad Bechad Bezmano. Everything is judged on Rosh Hashanah, but the final judgment, the sealing of the judgment, takes place uh, at different times. Pesach Al Grain, the final judgment is on Pesach. Batzeret Al Perot Eilan for Shavuot. 
the fruits of the trees and and with regard to rain, it's determined on Sukkot. So in other words, even though the initial judgment happens on Rosh Hashanah, the final judgment is handed down on different, uh, at, on different occasions. Where the human being, his judgment is initiated on Rosh Hashanah and concluded on Yom Kippur. So uh, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Adam Nidon Bukhol Yom. According to Rabbi Yossi, the whole thing of Rosh Hashanah, bin judgment is overblown because really a person is judged every day. Because it says in the Pasuk, in Iov, every morning you judge him. According to Rabbi Natan, actually every moment. Because in that same Pasuk it says, you assess him every moment. So that means every moment a person is judged, not even every day. So it doesn't sound like our Mishnah follows anybody in this Baita. Rabbi Meir says there's no separate judgment for the, fl- for the grain and the fruits and the water. So obviously it's not him. Rabbi Yossi says you're judged every day. Rabbi Natan says you're judged every moment. So obviously they are not the ones mentioned in our Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda might have been a candidate, but the problem is that Rabbi Yehuda says that the initial judgment for all of these items is on Rosh Hashanah and only the Gzardin, only the final judgment is on Pesach or Sukkot or Shavuot for these different items. So that doesn't fit with Rabbi Yehuda either. Right, so Rabbi maybe you'll say that Rabbi, maybe our Mishnah is really Rabbi Yehuda, and that's why. And when it says that you're judged on rain on Sukkot, and you're judged on the on the uh, produce on Pesach, and you're judged on fruits on Shavuot, that means the Gezardin, the final judgment. But actually, all the judgment according to our Mishnah takes place on Rosh Hashanah, the initial judgment. Adam. The problem is Adam because our Mishnah says that a person is judged on Rosh Hashanah. And if we're going to say that our Mishnah is only referring to the Gizardin, to the final, the Khatimat Din, the final uh, uh, judgment, so then it would work for everything on that list according to Rabbi Yudah, except for the Rosh Hashanah, because Rosh Hashanah is not the final judgment, it's only the beginning of the judgment. And if you're going to say Tchilat Din, it's talking about the beginning of the judgment, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot are the beginning of the judgment for each of those items. And Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the judgment for the person. Well, that won't fit with Rabbi Yehuda because Rabbi Yehuda is talking about the closing of the judgment for the fruits, for the uh, grain, and for the rain. So it won't work. Rather, we must find another source, which is Our Mishnah is following Rabbi Ishmael's yeshiva. Because it was taught in the school of Rabbi Ishmael. We're judged regarding... Um, grain on Pesach, regarding fruit on Shavuot, and regarding water, meaning rain, on Sukkot. And a person, their judgment begins on Rosh Hashanah and ends on Yom Kippur. And therefore we can say that our Mishnah is actually talking about the beginning of the judgment, not the end. <coughs> and that's why it says all of these things, their judgment on Pesach for the grain, for on Shavuot, for the fruits, and on uh, uh, Sukkot for the rain, though, that's the judgment for each of those things. And for a human being, it's only referring to Tchilat Adin, the beginning of the judgment that, that is initiated on Rosh Hashanah and happens to conclude on Yom Kippur, even though that isn't mentioned in our Mishnah explicitly. What's the reasoning of Rabbi Yossi? In other words, according to Rabbi Ishmael, it sounds like the beginning and the end of the judgment for all of those items, rain, grain, and fruit, occurs on the days that are specified in the Mishnah. Now, what's the reasoning of Rabbi Yossi? It says you're judged every day. It's just like he said. That's what it says in our Gemara. Um, <clears throat> so the uh, on the side uh, it says Maitama Kidika Amar, right? Meaning that it's a shock that the Gemara is saying a bit, uh, that it's bitmiad. Means that the, the Gemara is asking, what do you mean? What's the reasoning? Kidika Amar Tame. He says what his reasoning is in that Brayta, right? He says there 
uh, you're judged that you judge men every day, so every morning. So how could you ask what's the reasoning of Rabbi Yossi when he explicitly says the pasuk? That's what we meant. What we meant was why doesn't he accept Rabbi Natan? Because after all, he's quoting the same pasuk, same pasuk in Yov that says a man is judged every day and he's judged every moment. So why doesn't he go with the every moment? Why does he say only every day? He'll say the idea of bechina, which is what it says, that you judge. The uh, the person in every moment that is just yune balma that's just um, assessment but not judgment but the thing is no pekida nam yune balma but that's true also about pekida it also could mean just assessment and not really full judgment so how do you know vatifkedenu livkarim that uh, you judge him uh, for each day means a judgment. Right, so once you're going to take that pasuk, how can you decide to take only one half of the pasuk and not the other? El amar chistat amid Rabbi Yosi Macha, or rather Rabbi Yosi's reasoning is from a different pasuk, not what's written in the Brayta, which is La Sodom Shabbat Adom Shabbat Amoyi Sodom Yom Yom. It says that Hashem does the judgment of His servant, meaning the king, and the judgment of the people of Israel day after day. So, day, meaning each day there is a um, an additional uh, judgment, a renewed judgment for the person, and obviously that means that the Gemara is amending the Brayta, that Rabbi Yossi didn't actually mention the Pasuk that it says that he mentioned in the Brayta, because if he did, then it would be difficult to disagree with Rabbi Yossi himself <coughs> about what Pasuk he's learning his idea from. The Gemara goes on and says, Whenever Ladin, whenever <coughs> the king and the community are being judged, the king gets judged first. Because it says, Hashem does a judgment of the sir, of his servant, meaning of the king, and of the people Israel in that order. My time, what's the reason? Some say the reason is because it's not nice to leave the king sitting outside while you're judging the people and he has to wait for his court case. It's better for the king to go first before the judge's anger flares up in dealing with more cases and more people. The, that way the king will be spared. He gets to go first and he gets a lighter sentence than he might if he went last when there's already uh, plenty of haron af to go around, plenty of uh, divine anger to go around. Now, the, uh, we, we saw this actually, this exact piece earlier, um, not long ago, uh, in the, uh, <coughs> in the, uh, on Davchet Amur Bet, in this very Masechet. Now, the Gemara says, that, I'm uh, of Yosef, of Yosef says, Keman matzlinan ha'idana ketzirei va'amari'ei. According to whom do we pray nowadays for those who are sick? Or for the Marie, which it says are the Talmidei Chachamim who are very weak from, and exhausted from their learning. For, according to whom? Keman, Karbiosi. It must be only according to Rabbiosi, because according to the other rabbis, the judgment is established for the whole year, pretty much. So why would we pray for anybody in the middle of the year? It's already established for Moshe Shanan Yom Kippur. It could only be according to Rabbiosi who says there's a judgment every day. Vibaitim, alternatively, the Olam Kerabanan. Really, it follows even the rabbis. We're going to see more about this in upcoming Barot, but basically Rabbi Yitzchak says that crying out is good for a person, whether it's before the judgment or after the judgment, because sometimes it can have an effect, it can make a difference. So therefore we don't give up, even though the judgment might have been instituted already in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we still pray for a better outcome or for a mitigation of a bad outcome, if possible. Tanya Ramah Rabbi Yehuda says in the Bible that Rabbi Yehuda said, Mishum Rabbi Akiva, the name of Rabbi Akiva, why does the Torah tell us to bring a Koban HaOmer, which is made of barley on Pesach, and Nesha Pesach's Mantua, because Pesach is a time of it's Mantuahu, it's a time of grain, it's a time when the grain is ripening and the earliest harvest is beginning. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Avi Omer Pesach, so Hashem said, bring the Omer before me on Pesach, Kedeshit Baruch Lechem Tvua, Shebesadot, bring before me the Korban uh, HaOmer, so that the 
so that the uh, produce in the fields will be blessed. And why did the Torah tell us to bring the Shtei the two loaves that are made from wheat, on Shavuot? Because uh, the time of uh, Shavuot is a time of fruit trees, that they start to have fruit on them. That uh, bring before me the uh, bread, so that the uh, so that the fruits of, on the trees will be blessed. And of course, as Rashi says, some say that the... Um, that, uh, like Rabbi Yudai himself says in Masechet Hanedrin, that the fruit that the fruit that Adam Rishon ate in Gan Eden was actually a uh, was actually chita was actually wheat, and that therefore it's considered actually a fruit of a quote unquote tree. Um, what's brought on uh, on Shavuot in the form of the Shteilechem? Another uh, Rashi says before that that because the time of Bikurim begins exactly at that time, that's why it's called the time of the fruit trees, because that's the time where they start to first bring the, uh, the, the Bikurei Ktsir Chitim, the time of the beginning of the wheat harvest, is when you start bringing Bikurim, the first fruits of the trees, and that's why they are linked as well. Then the, the Gemara goes on, or really this uh, statement of Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Rabbi Akiva goes on. Why did the Torah tell us to pour water on the altar during, during Sukkot? Pour water out before me on Sukkot so that the rain of the year will be blessed. And we know that that's the beginning of the rainy season in Israel. Also say before me on Rosh Hashanah, Sukim or blessings of kingship of God, of remembrance, and of shofarot, as we have in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. The Malchut is so that you will make me your king. Remembrance is so that your remembrance goes up before me for good. And how does that happen? By shofar with the shofar. So in other words, this is again, because the judgment is happening in Rosh Hashanah, we have to accept God's kingship and remind uh, raise up our uh, our remembrance before Hashem through the shofar. Amar Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba said, "Lama tokin b'shofar shalayil? Why do we blow a shofar from a ram?" Amar Kadosh Bochu, "Tikul v'alei b'shofar shalayil. You should blow before me with a uh, the, the ram's horn. Kedesh eskolachem akeda Yitzchak ben Avraham, so they will remember for you the akeda, the binding of Yitzchak. Umale ani alechem kiilu akatem atzmechem lefanai. And so then I can count it as if you yourselves bound yourselves before me, just like Yitzchak was bound on the altar. You're, you're Committed to self-sacrifice before me, just like he was. Why do we blow the shofar in Rosh Hashanah? What do you mean? Says the Gemara. What do you mean? The Torah tells you to do it. Why do we do? Uh, why do we uh, do Mariin? Why do we uh, blow the Torah on uh, on Rosh Hashanah? Mariin Rachmana Amar. Zichron Torah. What do you mean? It says Zichron Torah. It has to be a remembrance of Torah. So how can you ask? Why does the Torah say it? It says it. Meaning, why, well, how can you say, why do we do it? It says in the Torah to do it. Rather, Rather, why do we do it twice? One is called the Tikiot de Miyushav. One is called the Milmad. The one is when you sit down, one is when you stand up. Of course, in many communities nowadays, they stand for all of them. But in a lot of Sephardic communities, they sit for the blasts before the Musaf and they only stand for the ones during the Musaf because the ones before the Musaf are called the sitting blasts. The reason is in order to confuse the Satan. And, um, and the Ran explains that the Satan is the Yetzirah, meaning that we, we have to uh, soften up our, uh, our awareness of Hashem and and fight against the Yetzirah, break down the Yetzirah and confuse it in order that we'll be able to properly pray the Musaf. Another interpretation that's brought in the Aruch that the Tosfot brings on the side is that what it means, is that the Satan hears the Shofar and thinks, 
that it is the sign that the Mashiach is going to come when his grip over the world will be terminated and therefore um, it causes him to be weak and causes him to be confused and he's not able to uh, cause any harm to the Jewish people during their judgment because he thinks that the end of days has arrived. Now there is a Tosafot on Amud Aleph that's very, very interesting and very, very significant, which is uh, about prayer and how does prayer work according to us that we do maintain that uh, the, the judgment happens in Rosh Hashanah and, uh, and ends on Yom Kippur because the Gemara said, how come we say, pray for sick people? But he actually said, uh, what about the fact that every single day we say Rifa'enu, Berkat Hashanim, all kinds of bakashot, all kinds of requests in our Rosh Hashanah, I'm, I'm sorry, in our daily prayers. So in fact, we see that you go and you visit a sick person and you pray for them. It happens all the time. So Rabbi Nutam says, you can't pray. This is a very interesting point. He, he says that, Prayer is limited because of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. In other words, you can't necessarily pray that a person shouldn't get sick if it's already been decreed that they're going to get sick. But you could pray that they get better sooner, that they get healed sooner. That's still left up. In other words, he's saying that there are certain things that are fixed on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and there are certain things that are still left variable. And since there are certain things that are left variable, it's possible to still pray. Or, for example, another another instance is like the Gemara says in... It says uh, later on that even if Hashem decides to give a certain amount of rain, it could be that the rain will fall in one place, in two places. Uh, it could be if there's a lot of rain that's supposed to come, but it won't fall in the right places or at the right times. So there's some variability even within the Gzardin of Hashem. That's one answer basically Rabbeinu Tam gives. Another answer is that since Tfilad de Rabim, since it's a communal Tfilad, we know that the Gzardin will not, be, will not stand in the face of Tefillah of the Rabbim, only, in, only against the individual. But if, a, uh, if the community prays and does Teshuvah, they can change their Gzardin. So therefore, since the prayers that we're talking about are always include the community, and we always, uh, even when we pray for a sick person, we include the entire community. So therefore, um, it's, a, it's a Tefillah that can overcome the decree of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Gemara goes on. Amor B'Yitzchak, Kol Shana Shirashab Any year that is poor in the beginning, meaning to say that the Jewish people make themselves weak, on Rosh Hashanah, make themselves poor, to pray with supplication and perhaps also a reference to Yom Kippur, that we really humble ourselves, then it becomes rich in the end. Because it says from the beginning of the year, until the end of the year. Meaning to say, it's written without an Aleph, which, uh, right? So, Mereshit um, is written with a, without an Aleph, is Mereshit Ketiv, right? So, it's, so the uh, meaning to say from the poor, from the poor state of the beginning of the year, va'ad achrit sofashish lachrit, meaning it'll and it says va'ad achrit shana, so it's saying that it will get to the end of the year miklal. Uh, it should say sheish lachrit, meaning that it has a positive ending because the, it started out on the right foot that we were doing teshuvah, we were perfecting ourselves, humbling ourselves. So in the end, we end up getting the blessing of a good year. Hashem only judges us based on our actions of this moment, not on what we're going to do in the future. That was from last week's parasha. Hashem heard the voice of Yishmael in the place where he was and therefore forgave him because even though in the future, and as Rashi quotes the Midrash and Midrash Rabbah, that even though the Malachim said, how can you save this person in the future? They're going to do all kinds of bad things to the Jewish people. The fact is that right now he's a tzaddik and I'm going to judge him based on where he is right now. There are three things that remind the heavenly court of the sins of a person. Here are they. 
One is if you walk by a wall that is leaning over. In other words, you're testing your fate by walking through a dangerous situation. A person who has which Rashi says means that a person trusts that there's such a tzaddik that their prayer is definitely going to be answered. Or a person who says to Hashem, judge this other person. He's so bad. He's been so bad to me. Because the person who's invoking Hashem's judgment against another person is going to be assessed himself. Hashem is going to say, I'm going to open up your file also and see what how you're doing. You're so great that you think that I'm going to punish somebody on your behalf. So let me take a look at how you're doing. And then that opens up a, a judgment against yourself. So the person who walks by in through a dangerous situation, like a, 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 a wall that's leaning over, and trusts his own zechuyot, has the zechuyot, has the merits reviewed. A person who trusts in his own merit that his prayer is going to be answered has his merit reviewed. And the person who invokes his own merit against another person that they, the other person should be punished also has his merit uh, uh, his merit is going to be uh, reviewed. Now, there's, there's again a nice, uh, nice um, Tosafot. The Tosafot here in Viyun Tefillah, where Rabbeinu Tam says Iyun Tefillah here could mean that the person isn't concentrating on their Tefillah. In other words, that it means Tefillah that is of poor quality. That's what brings the judgment upon a person. But the Tosafot themselves reject that interpretation and go with the interpretation of basically the same thing that Rashi says, that it means a person who's trusting their Tefillah too much. Um, because Rabbi if a person hands his judgment over on, his per, on a, another person, in other words, if he turns to Hashem and says, Hashem, please punish this other person on my behalf, he'll be punished first. Because, it, because Sarai said to Avram, my argument is against you, meaning I'm, uh, I'm uh, upset with you. And, uh, and, and she says, Yishpot Hashem b'nei u'b'necha, may Hashem judge between us. Vayavo Avraham l'sbol l'sa'uchti, vayavo Avraham l'sbol l'sa'ab l'vkotan. And again, Sarah died before Avraham. Meaning that because she asked Hashem to punish Avraham uh, on her behalf, therefore she ended up being judged first and dying first. V'amor v'yitzchak v'yitzchak says, Arbaat varim karen z'adzino shel adam. There are four things that can tear up a decree against somebody. Elohen, tzedakah. One of them is charity, tzedakah. Prayer, Shinui Hashem, changing the name, Shinui Maase, and changing actions. How do we know that giving charity saves a person from a decree against them, a heavenly decree against them, because it says charity saves from death? It says in Teilim Kufzain, very famous uh, Teilim that we read on Pesach, the Mizmor for Pesach, they cried out to Hashem in their distress, and He saved them from their trouble, from their crisis. So you see that because they cried out, the crisis that were, they were being subjected to and that was decreed against them was alleviated. Um, <clears throat> so, and Shinui Yashem, changing of a name, You see that Sarai wasn't able to have children, but when she changed her name to Sarah, then Hashem said, I'm going to bless her and give you a child through her, and that was Yitzchah. Shinui Maaseh, changing of the actions, and of course, this is talking about the story of Yonah and, um, and the story of Nineveh. And it says that uh, Hashem saw their actions that they had done, that they changed their actions, they changed their ways. They turned away from their evil actions. And the, it's, the, pasuk, the whole Pasuk says that Hashem relented on what He was going to do against them. Because they changed their actions, therefore they had the zechut of 
not being punished the way Hashem had originally decreed. Some say, even changing your location can change your fate. Because it says, Hashem says to Avram, leave your home in Orkazdim and go, or in Haran, depending on which perush on the Mekor Gedolot you take, but go to, go to the land of Israel. And then it says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. So that shows you that changing a place also can change the decree, because maybe as long as Avram was in his homeland, his original homeland, he was uh, not worthy of having uh, ha- having all of these blessings, but when he changed his location, he became worthy. So you see, changing the place can have an impact. V'idach, why doesn't the original list include changing place? Because that wasn't uh, because he changed his place. It's not just changing from one place to another automatically is going to change your gzardin, but because he went to Eretz Yisrael, that his gzardin was changed. A person obligated to go and try to Meet, receive the presence of his teacher on the holiday. He should go and greet his teacher on the holiday. This is the Haftarah that we just read um, in Parashat Vayera, which was the story of uh, Elisha and the woman who has the child, and then the ch- and that Elisha promises her that she's going to have a child. She has a child, the child dies, and she runs to Elisha to revive the child. And her husband sees her traveling to go to the uh, man of God, and he says, why are you going? It's not Chodesh and it's not Shabbat. Which implies that when you should go, you should, it would make sense. In other words, he, would, he meant that if you were going to see the Navi, you're going to see the, your Rav, your teacher, on uh, Rosh Chodesh or Shabbat, then I would understand, but why are you going today? That's why the husband asked the wife, why are you going today? Now, of course, the interesting question is, that's not talking about Regal. He doesn't mention it's not a holiday. He mentions it's not a Shabbat or Rosh Chodesh. Uh, impl- implicit here is that that would all be included. A person needs to purify himself before the holiday and be in a state of Torah when he comes so that he can offer the Korbanot and fully participate in the holiday uh, activities. It says not to touch the carcasses of animals that are going to transmit impurity to you. So the question is, what's that talking about? That must be talking about before the holiday. It can't be talking about all the time because Tanya Damiachi will end in a bite. Open Vatam Lotigawit says not to touch the dead animals that convey Tum'ah. You might have thought that you're not allowed to touch Nevela the rest of the year. In other words, that a Jew is never allowed to touch a dead animal carcass. Talmud Lomar, Emor Lekohanim Bnei Aron, Bnei Aron Muzarin, Bnei Israel, and Muzarin, because we see that only the Kohanim are, are commanded not to become Tameh. Right, but the Jews are never commanded not to become tamei. They're not allowed to do certain things when they're tamei, but they're not allowed, they're not prohibited from becoming tamei. It's really a kalbochomer because umah tumah chamura. If you see that very stringent tumah, which is the tumah of death, kohanim muzrin enan muzrin that the kohanim are not allowed to become tamei, but the regular Jews are allowed to. So tumah kalal kol shigan. So certainly an ordinary Jew is allowed to expose himself to tumah that is a light one day tumah, such as touching nevelah, touching the carcass of an animal that's going to transmit tumah because it was not slaughtered properly. So then why does it say don't touch the nevelah of animals that died without shechita? That's not saying that it's a prohibition all year round, but it means that baregel, it means on the holiday, so that a person doesn't become tamei and then is unable to bring the korbanot or to appear in the Beit HaMikdash as he's supposed to. So therefore there is a mitzvah to make sure that one is in a state of purity, entering into one of the three regalim so that one can be a full participant in the festivities of the Chag.